the blast from our past network. Hi there, this is Scott Valentine, and you're listening to Podcasting After Dark with Zach and Corey. Podcasting After Dark presents TV Obscura, a deep dive into underrated and unknown television shows from our youth. Cartoons, sitcoms, cop shows, and much more. Sit back and enjoy some nostalgic fun with TV Obscura. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another exciting episode of Podcasting After Dark Presents TV Obscura. It is our sideshow where, that sounds weird, it's a it's a sub-show on Podcasting After Dark where we uh, talk about obscure TV shows from our nostalgic past. Uh, usually very culty kind of stuff and everything, and... Uh, as always, so far, it's, it seems, uh, we are joined with our pal Diallo. What's up, buddy? Hey, guys. What's up? How you guys doing? Yeah, we, we, ha- we had to have you back, my man. We had to have you back. As we said last episode, it feels like this show was created just for you. <laughs> Literally just for me. <laughs> Uh, And as always, I have my beautiful co-host, Zach the Snack, a.k.a. Tiny T. What's up, buddy? Oh, I'm I'm feeling so good to dig deep into our this kind of genre esque uh, episode where we're covering the ground of. Well, I'm just gonna let you cover that, but <laughs> I'm feeling really super heroic right now. There if you, you know what I'm saying. There you go. This is kind like of a invincible. Little hint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like uh, like Zach hinted, uh, this episode has a little bit of a theme, and that is superheroes and pseudo superheroes uh diallo is going to take us back to the 70s with shazam zach is zach is gonna get wild in the mid 80s with manimal and uh, <laughs> and i'm gonna take us down a wild wild who's who with misfits of science so <laughs> yes mine mine's more of a who oh <laughs> Oh yeah. oh yeah, well, see, that's who. That's the thing. Like <laughs> I remember Manimal. Like I never watched it, but I do remember it. And look, I, I, I we've got lots to talk about with <laughs> <do>. all three. <laughs> we do because there's layers. There are each so one, many each layers. one. I, you know, obviously you picked. I think Diallo was the first one. I think Corey, you. No, you Diallo, Diallo f- picked his. I kind of went. I, I, I picked mine to go sort of with his, and then you're the divergent. <laughs> yeah, I kept, I kept tagging along, and I'm like, should I pick this one? No, uh, should I pick that one? No, and I don't want to reveal what they are because they'll come about sure. eventually in, in our show. But uh, I, 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 I centered on Manimal because I'm like, you know what? I love this show. Is as bad as it is, and it is, it is bad. It's really bad. But <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I have so much to say later. Yeah, so, so do I. So, so, do I. so you know, you guys should by now know how this works. We uh, we each kind of take a turn at it. We uh, we'll give some stats on it, and then it'll just be a freeform discussion. It won't be like any of the other episodes of Podcasting After Dark. We're not going to break anything down. This is mostly going to be a discussion, um, our thoughts and our feelings. Because honestly, we we also don't have enough time to watch every single episode in the series before we we come to the table here. So we all kind of brush up on our own little niches and uh, like on our picks and then we bring it to the table and we all have fun and talk but 
we've all seen an episode from each other's show, so we all know what we're what the other person is talking about. That was much more complicated than it probably needed <laughs> to be. I think you guys are all going to get the point here uh, if you if this is your first episode that you're jumping in. If if it is, make sure you go back and check out the first two. We had some some gems in there, some underrated gems. So uh, Zach, you already kind of were giving us some love for Manimal. You want to take us down that road? I will. I will. I just want to add one little caveat yes. to this discussion or what you just brought up that if you go online, you go on YouTube, there's a bunch of people that have done shows specific on these shows specific. <laughs> and this, but this is our take. This is our mm-hmm. spin. This is our je ne sais quoi, ooh la la, you know what I'm saying? Because I don't uh, <laughs> kind of vibe. So, yeah, Manimal, Manimal, I'm, I'll, yeah, I'll jump right into it. Manimal. Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I remember it came out in 83. I remember the the, the teasers for it on NBC. Um, it was going to go head-to-head with Dallas, one of the most popular late-night soaps that that not late night but evening soaps that you could that were around at the time prime, probably prime the most popular soap. prime time soap thank you yeah, thank you Jello. prime time soaps probably the most popular prime time soap of all time and nbc came up with this concept well not nbc didn't come up with a concept um the producer and his name is glenn well the creator really glenn larson um, Glenn Larson is a pretty infamous producer. I know Diallo probably knows one specific show he's known for. Do you know what that show is? Uh, Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. yeah. I mean, say no more. Battlestar Galactica. Uh, the guy. Yeah. There's more. I'll let you keep going. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> Go ahead. Please. Please feel no, free. I, mean, I, think, you, uh, I think he did uh, Buck Rogers, too. Buck Rogers. He century. did Buck Rogers. He, he did everything. He did the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew mysteries. Yeah. He did uh, BJ and the Bear. Yeah. Uh, Magnum PI, the Knight Rider, the Fall Guy, not the Knight Rider, Knight Rider, sorry. Um, uh, you know, oh, Quincy Jones. Like, okay, yeah, that, well, that was a popular show too. So he comes along with Manimal, this concept, concept, this concept. Um, so the, op- the first episode was a 90 minute pilot. And so it's technically a, it only lasted for seven full episodes. Um, they always open with the same narration that they kind of went down in the pilot. It's uh, it's a, this character's name's Doctor Jonathan Chase. He's a wealthy, young, handsome man, a man with brightest of futures, a man with the darkest of pasts. From Africa's deepest recesses to the rarefied peaks of Tibet, heir to his father's legacy in the world's darkest mysteries. Jonathan Chase, master of the secrets that divide man from animal, animal from man, manimal. <laughs> so that tells you nothing about what the show is about. No. It's basically about this guy uh, as a kid. His, he's with his dad in Africa, and they discover some sort of serum or potion that allows you to shapeshift, to go from man to animal, animal to man, manimal. And he later becomes a... Um, police officer with a New York uh, NYPD, and it's like a special division. I, I, uh, I love how of... he has a British accent, and he is a <laughs> NYPD. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, and I'll get to that too. Yeah, so he's a full-on Brit, uh, and, and he's got his own like little mini division where he goes off and has these adventures on every episode. It only lasted eight episodes, and w- the one specific that we watched was called uh, The Night of the Scorpion. 
and you can find it on Daily Motion. Thanks to Diallo for pointing that out <laughs> to us. I, apparently, there's a box set from Shout Factory. Um, I didn't do enough digging to see if it's still available. If it is, I'm going to get it because I kind of love this show. It's <laughs> definitely a guilty pleasure. But, um, you know, in that specific episode, it dealt with very, like, very typical uh, primetime drama tropes. You know, like a uh, guy dies, his daughter leaves a note for his daughter about some money and a list. Uh, and there's bad guys out to get the list, but not the money. The two, They don't care about the fact that apparently there's like $2 million somewhere. Uh, they just want this specific list. And the list ends up kind of timely. It's about uh, Russian operatives in our government <laughs> and the names of those operatives. <laughs> So uh, I'm sure Ted Cruz and uh, no, never mind. Um, you can cut that if you want or not. I don't <laughs> care. But no, it's it's very timely, I think, in a way. But, you know, the, the the bad guys are out to get this girl and it's up to our main character and his two um, his his two partners to rescue her along the way. And the main character in Manimal is um, played by. And I love this name, Simon McCorkendale. Yeah. <laughs> and I knew Simon McCorkendale. Apparently, Simon McCorkendale had a uh, shelf life after this on Falcon Crest. That was kind of his big show. But I knew him originally from Jaws 3 <laughs> Me in too. 3D. Yeah, that's right. I loved that's literally... him in Jaws 3 in 3D. How badass is a character where they are half eaten inside of a fucking shark and they can still pull the pin to a grenade to blow up? Jaws, allegedly <laughs> Jaws. It wasn't right. It was his offspring or something. Something like that. He's, yeah. He set that up. I, Anyways, I, that's where I always know him from. Is is Jaws yeah. 3D? Total badass. Total badass. Uh, his co-stars in this were Melody Anderson, who I of course and Diallo of course knows oh, yeah. from Flash Gordon, yes. uh, Dale Arden, and go, Flash, then go. His, and then in the uh, original in the original pilot episode, his other partner. Um, the character's name is Glenn Turman. He's played by Ty Earl. Ty Earl, you might say, who's that guy? If you watch the newest season of Fargo, which is phenomenal on FX, um, it's the one with Chris Rock starring in it. He is one of the co-stars. So good. But, so good. But, but we, was... we also know and love him from John Dies at the End as the police detective. Uh, again, another awesome role. Yeah, and it's too bad that he's only in the first episode, but uh, his character gets taken over by michael roberts and i knew michael roberts from space pirates ice pirates uh, yeah. or ice sorry pirates. ice pirates <laughs> <laughs> not space pirates the terrible uh toby hooper movie yes but uh or is it was it toby hooper yeah was it been? it was toby hopper Stuart yeah. gordon yeah yeah toby hooper yeah yeah, yeah. with Anyways, um, this yeah, the show lasted eight episodes. It's got a huge cult following. Apparently, a toy line came out in the UK, uh, and I saw some images online. They're like half animal. They didn't just make just the animals or just the figures, but they made him mid-transformation, oh, okay. which was cool because on oh, the show wow. they show him kind of transforming. And Stan Winston did those special effects. Oh, um, I was going to say they, that for TV, they were, you know, they're not great. But for TV, they were actually pretty decent. For 1983, yeah. um, on the heels of American Werewolf in London and The Howling, they were not bad. Yeah. Um, as far as um, an humans turning into animals go, it's 
it's a schlocky show. It's like TJ Hooker with a with a twist, you know. Uh, so did you watch this on TV when it came out originally? So yeah, so going back, I saw the promos. The promos for this show were were hilarious because it was a guy who looked like J.R. Ewing in a tu- in a pool calling uh, I don't know his agent or whatever, saying how popular his show is going to be. And a shark fin goes in the water and starts chasing him in the pool. And you're like, get ready for manimal or something like that. As cheesy as it was, I was like, I want to see that. So cool. <laughs> I don't know. I was like, what I was. Um, uh, seven at the time. Yeah. So that being said, I yes, I watched all eight episodes. I was bummed because it they aired they aired the pilot and then they aired another episode and then they waited a couple months, aired it again, waited a couple months, and this was a time when you know our generation knows about. You, I didn't even have a VCR back then, so you either watched it or you didn't. Yeah, I'm, yeah. And it was, was it, or miss. it was a so, Friday night show too, wasn't it? I, I mean, I, Friday nights yeah, at like so. eight o'clock. Yeah, it was. I I remember. So I'm, you know, I'm a little older than you, so I do I do remember when it came out, and I remember it being hard to find. Like I wanted to watch so, it, but it just kind of came on. Um, like you said, it came on a couple months later, and then. Like Friday night, even though I was like too young to actually be going out and like doing stuff, I still was like young enough to stay home. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. But it was just like, oh, the show's on again, and I'd watch it and then kind of forget about it. So, yeah. <laughs> and there's lots to forget about. I mean, it, it's 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 a. I'll let you guys dig deeper, but I will just uh, finish up by saying, um, you know, as hokey and cheeseball as this show is. It, it has a charm to it that you just don't see anymore. And I wish we still had that. I wish we had it back because there's it, it's I think actually watching it now with a comedic lens makes it more entertaining. Yeah. I think back then when we were supposed yeah. to take it seriously, we're like, oh, this is going to cheese ball. The reason why they use the same like transformation stock footage all the time because of budget reasons. Right. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but uh, I showed it to Bodie and I showed all three to Bodie. And so we'll do a Bodhi scale on uh, one to five, one being terrible, five being fantastic. He gave this one a uh, two. Oh, OK. He's, OK. Because he was like, he's like, it's really slow and there's not a lot of action. I go, yeah, there's a lot of talking going on. Yeah. So he gave it from a six year old's perspective. He gave it a two. OK. Um, I gave it a five because I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course. Of course. But I gave all three a five. So there you go. <laughs> Well, what is what is your guys' experience with this, Diallo? Diallo, you said you have many thoughts on Manimal. Yeah, I mean, I so I remember the show when it was on, and like I said, it was hard to find. It was a show that I really wanted to watch because you know it was like right up my alley. Um, and it like for a little bit of perspective, like remember back then, like it was really hard to find genre like programs there was like maybe one or two that was on the entire slate of tv so when you had something like that pop up you're like you wanted to consume it um but i do like i i I remember even then like i wasn't super critical like i am now (laughs) (laughs) you know yeah exactly um but but i do remember even then like kind of making comments with friends at recess or something the next day how like he only turns into like the la- the what the panther, the panther and then the, e- and then the eagle or whatever the yeah, hawk and, and then the like maybe sometimes he would turn into one other animal and then that was it yeah. and then the but the rest of the show 
was um, and it was really apparent as I watched it again how like most of the show wasn't that and I think that's one of the biggest problems and um, you can't see I'm 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 doing air quotes when I say problems because it's like <laughs> I totally understand all of that like when I was watching it I was like yeah this is 1983 like to do that that effect to of him changing which was why we showed up I remember like taking my yeah. hand and trying to like make it into the, the yeah. little panther claw claw. Um, so I, under, I understood, I understand how difficult that was to do and how much it would cost. Um, but watching it again, I understood that the framework around that stuff that we came to see wasn't very good. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, um, Especially for an hour long show, yeah. because it was a, it was an hour long. Yeah. If it was a half hour, like for example, uh, Werewolf on Fox, yeah. you know that was a half hour show, right? And which which was perfect, perfect, yeah. because you you only had one transformation scene. This one, the transformation scene was like maybe a minute at the most, yeah. And so you're covering another fifty nine minutes of animal, no animal action. And Simon McCorkendale is he's he's a good looking dude. Rest in peace, by the way. He died in 2014 from cancer, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is such a bummer. Yeah. We're going to be doing a lot of those tonight, I think, unfortunately. I know. Yeah, especially uh, with mine. Yeah. Yeah. But but yeah, oh, I yeah. totally feel you on that, dude. Like he like that show they just it should have been a 30 minute show. Yeah, I, I actually think that that would have been probably the biggest saving grace for Manimal is if they actually changed it to a 30 minute procedural versus a, an hour long. And I think, like you said, the, the, the you know, having just one transformation scene, kind of like Shazam, like it would have just been the very cookie cutter. Like this episode, you follow these things, these steps, and that's fine. Like sometimes like that's not bad, you know? And yeah. And for me with the, the night of the, scorpion um i i enjoyed seeing people in it i was like oh the guy from ice pirates oh uh poppy from seinfeld is in it as the the detective or the i guess the head of their team or yeah. something oh, okay rennie santoni rennie yeah. santoni who i love and i know diallo does too from cobra yeah he's uh he's cobretti's uh partner yeah. in that he's he's great he's a, and, and it's so typical like he's it, it's such a stereotype now Right. Of a of a of a, a cop. Yeah, hey right? guys. Yeah. <laughs> Great. And then and Lloyd in that episode, Lloyd Bachner, who's Hart Bachner's son or father, rather, Hart Bachner Ellis from Die Hard. Yeah. Uh, he was the main villain in that. Wait, was he the Russian villain or was he the CIA guy, the like the the good guy that kind of turns? He's the Russian villain that okay. gets uh, that that when uh, the elephant pushes yeah. the main characters at the end uh, get get are in a part of a building that's not connected to the building so an elephant pushes that part of the building into the water and everybody laughs and smiles yet he's supposed to be russian but he, yet he speaks with like a south american accent <laughs> well yeah yeah <laughs> who cares <laughs> but who ca he's great though he's he's very evil yeah you know then that's uh hart bachner's dad apparently not a not a good guy oh okay so, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so one thing that i I enjoyed it, you know, I, I thought it was fun, but at the same time, I was like, I couldn't see this going on for too long, you know? I, f I feel like it had to would had to have been retooled in some way, shape, or form just to increase the action. Now, honestly, one of the things that I thought that they could have done more of 
instead of doing full transformations, I, I gleaned from this one episode that he could still do things like an animal or he could like, he could hear better because he has this like animal stuff in him. Or I, I would I'd just say, uh, just make him jump far, like do things that like he can actually physically do, keep the actor there. And then maybe only once per episode at the end, turn into some sort of animal and then fully like go fully, you know, but I kind of wanted to see him just tap into little things here and there, little abilities here and there and then use that to his advantage at the time well apparently that's what they started to do towards the end of this of those seven episodes yeah. which if you think about nowadays it's like that's still short by today's standards right you know uh give me 12 but um apparently they tried to resurrect this character when the nightman show came out uh in the late 90s it was a syndicated show based on a Malibu Comics character yeah. that later got bought by DC, I guess, or Marvel, I think. Uh, yeah, Mar- um, Marvel owns Malibu. Yeah, and the premise was really silly, like a saxophonist uh, who who can hear people's thoughts, but yet he can't sleep anymore. Uh, and <laughs> and he has a big fucking like, red eye. I couldn't get. <laughs> he's got a big red eye. But <laughs> all I know is the op- <laughs> all I know is though, just watch the opening. That's all you need to know because there's a long slow mo shot of him playing saxophone, and it's like, <laughs> like, when did they make this? But but uh, apparently, there's one episode in the second season called uh, called Manimal. It's called it. Yeah, it's called Manimal. And and they've kind of retooled the character. Same actor, cool. Simon McCorkendale. I actually think Manimal. I actually remember I, I remember this like existing that you're talking about. Okay. It. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all watched those syndicated shows back in the day. I right? never so... watched Nightman though. <laughs> I, <laughs> really? I know. For the record, I didn't either. I could I not get not past watch. that fucking eyeball. Yeah. He does, I thought he, he looked, looked like Bible Man for some reason. He, he did, did look like Bible Man. Honestly, you know what? Bible Man looked better than Nightman did. Oh, he did. Bible Man was actually kind of entertaining in a weird <laughs> way. But but no. Um, but apparently uh, Simon McCorkendale he brought he came back as Manimal, but he was a time traveling shapeshifter. Oh, cool! And he was hunting Jack the Ripper. Oh. And this was supposed to be. This was supposed to be a way to introduce uh, his daughter who is also of the same abilities to have a spin-off show with a, with a female manimal. F- f- fanimal? F- fan- <laughs> fappable. Yeah. Yeah, that, <laughs> Anyways, that's uh, too I never much. saw the episode, but that's too I much. just saw clips of it online. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. All I know is all I know is you got to applaud something so absurd, so silly that over twenty, over what, fifteen years later, they were able to bring it back for just one more go. Like one, give it one more go. You know, it's like a wrestling gimmick that just doesn't work, right? Um, there was, there was a like Shockmaster, the Shockmaster, <laughs> or you know, Tugboat, right? Tugboat, who was the alternate to Earthquake. Um, you know, what do you or, mean like, Tugboat didn't work? That was a great gimmick. What are you I, talking about? I love, I, I look, I, I'm not saying I didn't like it. I, was I love man. Sar- that was sarcasm. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm being serious, but, uh, but no, you know, like taking a, a gimmick doesn't, yeah, Hakeem, yeah. you know, he gets hit over the head and suddenly he's adopted by Africa. <laughs> and, uh, but, but they get, it gets one more go, like one more run as that character. And I think if it had a little more of a following, it might've, might have you know gained in popularity, but it fizzled out. And hey, the actor, the actor Simon McCorkendale had a happy life outside of Manimal, so I'm cool with that. Yeah, Corey, what you said, what you said, actually, I think would been it would have been a big fix for the show because again, like 
he the the actor himself he's so stately and so like he wasn't a yeah. very dynamic person so even the the scenes that he was in it it was almost like boring and i and i'm actually like i actually liked the show like when you said you were going to do it i was like oh yeah i love manimal you yeah. know but but i also was while i was watching it was remembering why I, even then it never really like stuck i was like i liked the gimmick of it um, but it was almost like he wanted to be James Bond, but yeah, um, but it, it, then didn't, he, it didn't fit as him being a, a New York cop to me. Like New York cop, yeah, yeah, yeah. like 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 every all there's for some reason all the ingredients are there for a good show, but they didn't bake it into something that that worked. Like make him an international spy because he already has like Diallo. You just said he has that sort of stately vibe to him. Maybe turn him into a James Bond type of character. Keep the powers and all this. kind of stuff there's there's so many ways you could retool this with the exact same actors and everything and it would have been better than the premise that they gave us yeah i think if they made a a vigilante uh that would have been that would have worked you know took a playbook from the show you chose where he was tested on by government you know by by the u.s government or something maybe he was captured and used as a pawn for many years and now he's hunting down the people that wronged him or who or his family who knows you know but yeah like i think both of you guys are are hitting on the fact that uh you could easily retool this and make it really good well, and that's my question was was anamorphs uh this did the, did this lead to anamorphs and I, and I think we were all too old for anamorphs i think that was like a ya thing uh in the 90s so i think all of us were a bit too old for that um but i'm familiar with it though. Yeah, yeah there's something about it. i'm like huh, i wonder if that's what that is but yeah there's something here and i i mean honestly like the name is catchy enough you could easily reboot this now and like do it however you want you can make it like more mature more adult i mean the cgi would be fine there's it's such a it's a really neat concept that i think just don't make him a freaking British cop in America, you know? And then, of, well, and of course, the episode we're watching, it takes place in, like, South America. Yeah, so I'm, I'm just like, this, my brain can't... No, the Bahamas. My brain, the Bahamas. Okay, yeah. yeah, my brain just can't fucking piece this together. You know, I got Poppy in this from Seinfeld. I'm like, my brain's like, what is happening? But at the same time, I did think it was fun. And I also thought the concept was just awesome. The concept was fantastic. And I just, I really think they had something special with the concept there. And I even liked, like, the backstory, like, how they explained how how it works. Like, that was fine to me. Like, all of that, everything was fine to me. It was just the episode, like, the final, it was the final product that I'm watching. I'm like, oh, doesn't quite live up to what my head thought it was going to be, you know. But at the same time didn't hate it didn't hate my like i didn't hate my my 44 minutes with it you know i was like cool i'm glad i know it now you know i'm glad i know that guy outside of jaws 3d you know i, I hated i hated that uh daily motion has commercials and uh commercials like, every, yeah, popping out. every 10 nuts. minutes man blew so my mind <laughs> but, uh, yeah apparently uh will ferrell was going to uh the guy the creator died uh, I think in maybe 2017 or around this around that same time that McCorkendale passed away. I think 2014 or 2015. Uh, but they were going. Uh, Will Ferrell and his writing partner Adam McKay actually have the rights to the show, and we're going to make a movie out of it. Which I think, if you think about it, it's kind of perfect. You know, doing a comedy 
where he turns into animals or whatnot. Well, you it could be like Master of Disguise with Dana Carvey. Which you know I how love. I feel about that. I I don't like it when they make comedies out of like stuff that wasn't a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, except totally. Starsky and Hutch. That that worked for me, but Starsky and Hutch was yeah, great. But everything else, I I don't like. I still carry like when you brought up Wolf Ferrell, I was still mad about Land of the Lost. I'm still like. Oh, but, I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that that yeah. was a yeah. I know. I know that you. I, I love that show back in the day, and I know you yeah. did too. So yeah. I, so I, I never, I never saw it. Been, I never saw the movie because I thought it trash. looked like shit. And and Zach, to that point, uh, I'm going to amend what I said before. And uh, when I said that you know you can turn Manimal into like something mature and everything, uh, anything but a comedy. I don't want to see Manimal <laughs> as a comedy because they tried that. It's called The Animal with Rob Schneider, and it sucked. <laughs> So, <laughs> good point. Good point. Good point. Um, but yeah, hey, so the, you know, was, I'm seeing that there's one scene in the when he was like yeah. running like a tiger or something. I forget. It was ridiculous. Oh it was stupid. <laughs> yeah, and he, he, he like tried to reboot. Uh, <laughs> didn't he do one where he dressed up in a, as a girl too? Like he did one like that oh, as well. Uh, they, they De- tried... Deuce Bigelow, Male Jiggle is the only <laughs> Rob Schneider movie that I care about. Okay. If, yeah, I mean, oofa doofa. Uh, yeah. Hey everybody, Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Well, hello there, little black kitties of the night. Come and join me, your host, Deadly Debbie, as we go through my creepy files and listen to real-life strange but true stories from people all over the world. Explore the weird and wonderful in my weekly podcast with Deadly Debbie's Creepy Files. And now, back to the show. I was saying earlier that this show, you know, if, if they took on a different angle, a darker angle, yeah. like he was a misfit, if you will. Do you want to talk about your <laughs> show that kind of picked the ball up and ran with it in a good way? Uh, good good segue. Opinion? Good segue, buddy. Yeah, nice. so I am going to be talking about misfits of science it was uh, i believe oh uh, 16 episodes um and that includes a 90 minute pilot pretty much like a made for tv movie um i love that by the way i miss those days of 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 those made for tv movies that turn into a tv show Uh, it was just it felt like you had to be there to watch it it was so exciting back in the day um Mm -hmm. now you can now you can just watch things anytime you want and there's just no like must-see kind of tv um but uh it was produced by james d parrott uh, Perriot, who also produced Forever Night, if you guys want to talk about 90s syndicated <laughs> shows. I like that show. I like that yeah. show. I mean, it was on for like five years, so you're not the only one that liked Forever Night. <laughs> it wasn't as good as Nick Knight with <laughs> Rick Springfield, though. <laughs> there you go. Um, this was unfortunately never came out in the U.S. on DVD or anything. Uh, it came out in 2008 in Germany on DVD and came out in 2012 in France on DVD. Um a few notes before I jump into the the cast because the cast is what we want to you know really want to talk about here. But uh, a few notes: <laughs> this 
Seems buddy, this uh, NBC as well as as well as Manimal, and this was also felled by Dallas, the same as Manimal was. So both of these shows got destroyed by Dallas on CBS. Friday, right? Yeah, it was. Uh, yep. it was another one's on Friday night. It was a Friday night show. Yep. Yeah. So I, I guess back in the day, they like to put like the high concept hour dramas on Friday nights, huh? Yeah, like Night Rider. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they did that. Yeah, that was totally part of their their uh, their jam. They always put something offbeat in that in that time slot. Yeah, because that's what they knew. The <laughs> nerds, they knew the nerds weren't going out at night. <laughs> <laughs> but, pretty much. But pretty but, much. At the, but at the same time, fucking Dallas just keeps knocking them down. People like all these other people. Uh, new shows pop up. Dallas just knocks them right down. So gone. you're gone. So, yep, you're gone. Yep. This was killed. Uh, this was killed by Dallas as well. Um, a couple notable things. Uh, Tim Kring wrote wrote for it as well, and he went on to create oh, wow. Heroes. Yeah, the TV show Heroes. Um, it was canceled due to low ratings uh, uh, from CBS's Dallas. Um, and then the Iceman that they had in the pilot that they kept in the 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 storage unit, the freezer. Beef. Yeah, Mr. B or whatever his name was, Beef and Eater. Yeah, Beef. Uh, they and the, one of the main things that I remember from the show, they dropped him after the pilot, even though yeah. I thought he was really freaking cool. But they dropped him because uh, he was a little too similar to Marvel's Iceman, like a- Iceman from the X-Men. That's what they cited. So uh, I think Marvel was kind of getting a little Iceman bit upset. Iceman mixed him. with Iceman mixed with Corky from well, Life Goes well, I'm On. Well, like, <laughs> I'm like, first off, I, he did he didn't seem like Iceman at all. Maybe it's just because no. they called him Iceman, or like he didn't seem like you know the X Men's version of Iceman. But you know, yeah. back in the day, so Amelia, Amelia, Amelia. <laughs> uh, before we talk about the the pilot in, the, in one of the episodes, we gotta talk about the cast. So yeah. the lead role is. <laughs> Dean Paul Martin plays the lead role. That is the son of Dean Martin. And unfortunately, he died in a plane crash in 1987, coming back uh, from basically active reserve duty, which so he was a, a military military reservist and he died in 1987 in a plane crash. I was like, holy shit, which obviously that sucks, uh, you know, obviously, but, you know, rewatching it and I'm like, I really freaking liked him on this show. I, I yeah. liked uh, I, I liked his energy and I liked his vibe. And I was like, yeah. damn, like talk about being cut down in his prime. Um, another one. Uh, Kevin Peter Hall plays L, another scientist on the, on the show. A very tall gentleman, about seven foot four. Uh, people might not recognize him, but he <laughs> played... The Predator in Predator, and I believe in Predator 2 as well. Um, you can see him in, uh, you can see him sans predator, predator garb in Predator as the helicopter pilot at the end uh, when they pick up Dutch and everything. You can actually see him there. But he plays the Predator, and I got to say, you know, knowing that, going into watching it, because, you know, I'm like, I don't remember much about the show other than I loved it as a kid, I was... I guess I should say surprised because, you know, you think of Moki's playing Predator. He's probably just a big, tall stuntman type of guy. I thought he was actually pretty fucking good, like, as an actor. I was like, holy shit. So, Peter, uh, Peter, uh, Kevin Peter Hall, unfortunately, passed away as well. Um, then we have, uh, I'll go with another person that passed away, was uh, Max Wright, who was in ALF, what I know from the dad is ALF. And he wasn't in the uh, pilot, but he was kind of their liaison uh, for the rest of the show. Um, in the ep- episode that I watched that wasn't the pilot, that was, you know, the other one of the other episodes, 
he was, you know, doing his typical Max Wright stuff, and honestly, yeah, yeah, you know, all his goofy Max Wright shit, but honestly, it worked. Maybe because he just was probably, he was only in it for about 10 minutes, but it worked. I kind of liked him, so, um, and then... I know him from uh, uh, the cover of the National Enquirer, smoking crack through a Pepsi can and having sex with a underage male prostitute. Yeah, he um he kind of went dark near the end. <laughs> good uh, stuff. Speaking, good stuff. <laughs> speaking of the National Enquirer, this <laughs> this uh this show was created by the head of uh, the president of NBC. I he probably just pitched it type of thing, you know, and someone else developed it. Um, I believe uh, P- uh Perriot probably developed it but it's credited to the head of nbc for creating it but he said he said all we got to do is just uh look to the national Enquirer for stories basically you know bat boy and all this kind of stuff and so the premise of the show is that you have these misfits of science you have these scientists that are some of them have special abilities like uh kevin peter hall has this ability to shrink it's very specific he can shrink to like six inches tall but only for like 14 minutes and only once an hour i was like i was like that's a very specific (laughs) bit of rules there you know yeah um so they're led (laughs) they're led by dean paul martin's character and He's another scientist, and they basically have this think tank branch of it's, it seems like it's it's a it's a private company but they kind of have dealings with the military and they're kind of like a think tank where they're developing all kinds of different serums like making bunnies grow big or shrink and stuff like that and it really re- it's so comic booky it is like x-men meets fantastic four but without any of the licenses like they had to just create them as they go and then each episode they kind of run into somebody who who may or may not have have powers the the funny that i saw the episode i saw they helped out this guy who didn't have powers but courtney cox's character kind of um uh used her telekinesis and he thought he had powers so they had to kind of they had to kind of rescue him type of thing but courtney cox's character has telekinesis kevin peter um i'm sorry uh um uh, kevin peter hall like i said can shrink uh unfortunately we lost the the uh beefinator uh the uh the ice man but there is one more super cool character on the show uh his name is <laughs> he just goes by b johnny b B-B- bukowski but it's mark uh thomas miller and he's the he's the guy with the electricity he's the guy with probably the most powers on the show but like it kind of saps his powers i like how everyone sort of has limitations to their powers they can't quite you know go go too far with it but he was also on Alien Nation, by the way, uh, the TV show. But uh, he should have been in more stuff. He's he's so cool. He, yeah. is he looks cool. cool. He, well, he was in Ski Patrol, by the way. Oh yeah, I remember him from Ski Patrol. Yeah. So it's it's a fun. I, you know what? And I'll say this: I liked it as a kid. You know, very similar memories as all of you guys have for for Manimal and whatnot, which is like, I remember seeing it. I remember not seeing it. I remember catching, you know, things here and there. I thought the, the, I was always like, where's the guy that's, you know, frozen? And I was like, well, maybe he's just stuck in the the freezer and they just bring him out when they need him. But I didn't realize he was gone at that point. But I thought it was a very well-executed concept uh very fun i thought i thought both the the pilot and the episode that i saw um i could see where they were going to go with this i thought it was a great setup a great premise and on top of it 
I thought all the characters were very likable, and I thought the writing was actually pretty damn good. You know, when I when I say good and great and I love it, you know I'm not comparing it to, like, aliens or something. I'm comparing it to, like, I know where this sits, you know? It's it's 1985 freaking, you know, TV. I, I know where this sits. The the, the the special effects are not great. They're, they're probably worse than Manimal. They're not great, but for some reason... It felt, it actually felt fresh, even in 2020. And I think it's because of the energy that it brought to the table. Oh my, all right, I'm working this out in my head as I'm saying it, but I think the reason it feels fresh in 2020, 2021, is because it has no history, no comic book, no hundred years of comic book history tied to it. So you have all these characters that they can do whatever they want with and, and go in different directions with it. And I was like, you know what? I think it's a good thing that this move, this show wasn't like, you know, X-Men or something. Like it wasn't using known characters. They could go anywhere they wanted to with it. And uh, before I, you know, put put it over to you guys, I just wanted to say that um, in the, the, the movie, uh, I'm sure you guys both recognize uh, Larry Linville from MASH. He played the, yeah. uh, like the main head general guy. And yeah, I was yeah. like, I was like, oh man, because I used to watch Mash when I was a kid. I was like, man, I haven't seen this guy in forever, and it, like, it just like it was like muscle memory. I could remember every bit of his face. I was like, ah, right. I love that guy. I forgot <laughs> how much I love that guy. But yeah, I I thought it was fun. I thought both episodes were a lot of fun, but they were oh oh so eighties. Uh, Di- Diallo, buddy, what did you think of this one? So. I like I've watched it over the years. I remember watching it the, the night it premiered and remember like w- liking it and keeping I wanted to keep watching it. But again, like I was saying with Manimal, it was one of those shows that it just didn't seem to like come on consistently. It was kind of weird to watch. Um, and I've watched it again over time. But this was the first time I had seen it maybe in like 20 years. And I so I was kind of like I was watching the the I watched the pilot and I was like I watched the first part and then I got up and I was kind of doing some stuff making making some food and like right in the middle of making food it got to like the last like 20 30 minutes of it I stopped everything I was doing <laughs> and I sat in front of the TV I was so enthralled with the end of this show like, yeah. I was just like, this is amazing. And I and I, watching it in the context that I was watching it in, and I think what you were saying, uh, Corey, it's just kind of like the show had, there, 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 there seemed to be so much possibility for the characters, and there, did, there wasn't the weight. I liked how fleshed out everybody was. Um, like, they all had um, faults, um, personal faults as well as like power limits. Um, Courtney Cox's character was like, was pretty fascinating to me. Um, I, I do remember like the electric guy, like he was like the, you know, cause I, I also love the flash. So like whenever he got to do super speed, that was like the thing. But I just liked, I liked how they all like worked as a team at the end. Um, it was I mean, definitely was cheesy how they so, how they re- so how they resolved the the final plot, but um yeah, it, it, but I liked but it, there were other things that I liked about it like the comedy of it, um mm-hmm. like I liked the cutting away of the people uh, around the world that were watching um, them as they were trying to save the world. That was like mm-hmm. to me that was innovative and yeah um, yeah yeah it totally. was just like 
it, I was laughing at the women in the sh- in the hair salon and the teacher at the desk with the yeah because he like, was like he's like what's my what's my mom gonna think and you cut to the hair salon and this lady faints and no one says that that's his mom but you're like oh I get it that's his yeah, mom you know? yeah it was like it, it, it was so it was, it was so much better than it had any right to be yeah and it did feel like you know I could definitely see it being a movie like if they had more of a budget at that time. I, I I could easily see them making that a movie. Like you you could see how like the concept of it, um, because they couldn't do the special effects that they would have wanted to do. That's why it was kind of pared down, even like um, thematically, right? So like you didn't have the costumes and um, like big set so they were just like in this van or that ice cream truck or whatever just driving around running around from scene to scene kind of like doing. <laughs> there was there weren't a lot of set they were like on the Venice boardwalk you know um but it just it just had this energy and this movement to it and um when i when i was watching it, i was like yeah i would actually like to see this redone as like a <laughs> film you know like yeah totally it, it just like i really i had such i had so much fun watching the especially that end of it like i stopped what i was doing and yeah you know. zach zach and i were talking offline really quick um and he he mentioned the third act in the um because I, I hadn't gotten there i'd only watched like half of the pilot and he was like oh buddy wait until you get the third act and I'm with you, man. Like, I kind of was like, you know, dicking around on my phone a little bit here and there, obviously. For me, the hard thing was the the quality on YouTube was just utter trash. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah. when that third act kicked in, I mean, like, yeah, you're just like, oh, my God. Like, you're watching it. And, I mean, the, the show ain't perfect. Like, don't don't get us wrong. Like, the special effects are bad. The, there is some cheesy, wonky, you know, camera shots here and there. But what I think it makes it stand out is, Diallo, you said it, the humor has some has remarkably good humor in it. And then, at least in the pilot, they did a weirdly good job of giving a bunch of little side characters just some funny dialogue. Like this one time when they met up with like the the guy who kind of like watches the gate, you know, like they kind of had yeah. a little rapport yeah. with him. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, none of this needed. Like, and, and the guy who like who mans the gate was actually kind of funny in all of his, you know, 30 seconds of dialogue. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah. that guy did not have to. You didn't have to do any of this. Like they could have just driven right in. But that's what I liked about it. So I thought that was really neat. Uh, uh, Zach, we haven't we haven't heard from you yet, buddy, on this one. I was gonna say too that the secretary was really funny. Oh too, my god! To, yeah. the, to the group and 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 some of the stuff. Obviously, a lot of the jokes are dated. Um, and 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 you feel like okay, this is definitely 1985. And I felt the pilot was really trying to figure out what kind of tone it was going for because you'd shift from really silly kind of slapsticky moments to, you know, like really dramatic scenes where Courtney Cox character is, you know, tr- confessing her love to Johnny B and, and, and she's having this meltdown in the middle of the scene. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like in the middle of like a silly scene and they go right into like, Oh man, what did you do? You really broke her heart or yeah. something like that. And, and 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 so the tone was like kind of up and down throughout, which I didn't mind per se. Uh, but it, I just felt like, okay, this show is really trying to figure out where it's going. And I wish shows like this still existed today. Cause yeah, whether it's a movie, it could be a mini series, uh, like a lighter version of the, the Watchmen, I guess, if you will, you know, where they're on the run or something again. Um, but I loved it. I loved all the actors. I love that Kevin Peter Hall's character, who is legit seven foot four. You know, he was also Harry and Harry from Harry and the Hendersons. He was also in a movie called 
uh, Final Warning, an alien movie from 1980. Mm. Uh, really good. Daryl Hannah's in that. Um, I think Eric Stoltz might be in that, too. I'm trying to remember. Anyways, uh, he plays the alien in that, too. Yeah, great to see him showcase, like, without makeup. But I love the fact that, you know, they go to Venice, like Diallo was saying, and uh, which was super nostalgic for us, mm-hmm. for the three of us, because we, you know, have spent so much time down there. Uh, and, and the guys come over asking him to play basketball with him because he's so big and, and he can't play basketball. Yeah. And the fact that he yeah. talks about how he became a scientist because he can't play basketball, you know, and, and then um, well, he Gene got the, Martin, he got the power. He made that specific power so that he could not have to be so yeah. tall. Like, well, cause yeah, yeah cause he was talking about deep, how he's like, right? he's like, I want to, I want to in the pilot. It's such a great scene. He's like, I want to be able to sit in a car without like hurting my neck. I want to be able to like come out here and, and not be harassed to play basketball. And I'm like, well, you're not really getting harassed. They just want you to play with them. But <laughs> yeah, I like no. that. I, 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 yeah, no, I, but I like that. I like every character had these little interesting little twists to them that made them very human feeling. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, you know the main the, the main leader Dean Martin's character. Uh, you know, even even at the end, he he actually saved the day in the pilots episode where he makes the final shot, <laughs> right. uh, yeah. which is hilarious. And <laughs> and it's silly on one hand and then it makes sense on the yeah, other because it, works. It, 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 you know, led up to the final moment. You see him constantly shooting hoops throughout the entire episode. Yeah. It wasn't like a one off. Well, know, that was like the whole point of the gonna... misfits. Right. They were going to the basketball tournament at the uh they were talking about going to the basketball tournament at the military base or something like yeah, that. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's their, their shirts are yeah, technically like watching it moving forward. Those the the shirts with their names, Misfits of Science. Yeah, that's their jersey essentially. And I was yeah. like, that's so cool. I love yeah. that. That's their name. And then like Diallo, you were badass. saying like everyone's cheering for them. Like the whole world knows who they are. That felt yeah. so big. Like yeah. such a huge concept that you don't really see on TV shows. You know. Yeah. And I and I will say too that the fact that um, you know the special effects might have been hokey, but I watched this also with Bodie and he loved it. He gave it a five. He's like, "This nice. is great. I love it." You know, because he didn't mind in, in the moment where the scene where there's like this weird water whirlpool um, a barrier that keeps yeah the, the, good the guys Universal from Studios to, uh, uh, tunnel yeah, yeah. totally yeah. that's yeah. exactly what that was <laughs> uh, yeah it brought, that brought bad memories. Uh, but when they froze it, he's like, whoa, that's cool, you yeah. know? And, and I thought, okay, from a six-year-old lens who, you know, kids these days see the most realistic shit you can see on television and video games and whatnot, for him to sit back and go, whoa, yeah, that's neat, and not even say at one point, oh, that's so fake. Um, I thought that was a testament to the show. And, and, so. I, and I loved how that moment was the big moment for Iceman uh, uh, beef, beef, you know? And I was yeah. like, that's so cool. I... I I liked that guy's character. I, I think what works about this show is I freaking loved every single character. And like a good team, like a good superhero team, you love the characters individually, but then you also love like what they bring to the table and, and what they can do for the team as a whole. And then you, you love their, their interactions. I liked, you know, Courtney Cox's character, you know, she's, she's kind of underage or I think she's like 17 on the show and she's got like, you know, a crush on, on Johnny B and everything. And it's like, okay. And yeah, it was a little silly to have her have that meltdown out there. But at the same time, (laughs) she's, she's supposed to be 17. And I was like, that's actually kind of makes sense that she would do that. But, uh, he had the, he had the best line after she kissed. 
<laughs> she kissed him. He's like, I kissed everybody. I kissed Billy. <laughs> yeah, 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 I love that. I love you great. like a sister. Uh, that was great. Uh, but I, I, I liked, and then I liked how, I thought it was interesting how, like, Johnny B, you know, he's he's all powerful. He's got this, this, this power that he has in him. He can, you know, shoot electricity out of his hands and stuff, but he can't get water on him. It'll burn him because the electricity will, will you know, act against it. And so, he like, must smell like shit. He, I was, yeah, he probably does. And, uh, uh, he, and so he has to live out in the, the desert. I'm like, I, I love how much thought was put. I love how much thought was put in to like, all right, here's here's all right. We're gonna give this person a power, but what would that drawback be? Oh, he can't he can't touch water because it would just electrocute him. Okay, so if he can't touch water, what's he gonna do? Well, he's gonna live in the desert. Fuck. I was like, it, it's all like these logical conclusions, but then at the end of the day, all of that wouldn't work if you didn't have that that chemistry between the actors. If you didn't have that energy, uh, you know, surrounding the show and and at the end of the day everything that i saw of it it was just fun it was a fun yeah. fun show and agreed it's just like damn you, you just don't see shows like that anymore and i think Bodie is a testimony to the fact that like i do think as a society as an entertainment society we we get lost in the weeds thinking that the special effects have to be great and everything man this was just as much fun now as any fucking it, this was was just as much fun to spend 2 hours watching this as it was to spend watching infinity war and this has you know infinitely worse graphics than infinity war does so like tell me like you know what i mean like where is the value in having so much like spending billions of dollars to create such better effects when honestly at walking away from it had just as much fucking fun you know yeah i just think yeah. it compensates for lack you know so yeah um, for yeah lack of story yeah you guys um uh what's his name ha uh, the uh, harry dean martin What's his name? Oh, um, yeah. Um, it's um, uh, sorry. Uh, Dean Paul Martin. Dean Paul Martin. Um, actually, I remember when he when he died. Um, and um, the other actor when I, I remember when they both died. But um, Dean Paul Martin. Kevin um, Peter Hall. He yeah. used to be married to Olivia Hussey. Hmm. Um, oh no shit. Yeah, and who was in Black Christmas? Oh yes, yeah. Was she yeah. the lead? And, was she uh, the lead in Black? The main, yep. the main girl. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I love that and, movie. Uh, I love that movie. Yeah. Romeo and Juliet. Yes. Yeah. Romeo and Juliet. Yep. I just completely randomly stumbled on this video with her on and Romeo and Juliet. Like she was doing a um, press thing, smoking cigarettes oh. and drinking like mimosas, and she was like sixteen. <laughs> And then I was like, she's so, but I was like, she's so familiar. And then I looked her up and then I was like, oh my God, like I'm about to watch the show like in a, in a couple days. Um, <laughs> and um, the other actor, his wife was um, uh, Olivia on Sesame Street. I don't know if you remember her. Oh um, yeah. 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 So I, Oh cool. Yeah. So that it was, uh, I, I do remember like both of them passing Um and Kevin Peter Hall. Yeah, and it was a and it was a very I just remember like feel like it was a very sad feeling because the show never really got to do what I feel like it it was supposed to do or needed to do. Um, because it went up against Dallas, I guess. <laughs> God, the, it went up against the, the black hole that is Dallas, just yeah. consumed everything around it. Because as I was watching it actually, I was I was thinking because I know this this happened with the the Flash show back in the mm -hmm. early nineties. I remember that show. that, that yeah, show actually the show actually had good ratings, but it didn't have good enough ratings to justify the budget. 
And so right. that's why that show mm-hmm. got canceled. And as I was watching this one, I was wondering if the same thing happened. I know it got canceled because it didn't have enough ratings, but um, I just watching the pilot, I was like, oh, and this show must have cost like a bundle, um, yeah. you know, for the time. So. Yeah, and honestly, like with the the telekinesis stuff that Courtney Cox's character does, I thought they did some clever like photography tricks to kind of keep the budget down, especially in the pilot where those two guys were kind of like hovering on the ceiling. I was like, yeah, you, was great. I was like, that's actually really cool looking because it's it, they're actually up there. You can tell they're harnessed and they're kind of just like sort of spinning and floating, but the effect looked really good. Yeah. Cause it, well, because it's real, so uh, <laughs> I, as opposed to like CGI. But uh, the the only my my last thought on it, it you know, it, it didn't let me down. Actually, I probably liked it more than I even thought I was going to. Um, my last thought is, I don't want to see it uh, get rebooted or anything. I want to see it put out on Blu-ray so I can actually freaking watch it and enjoy it without like the the terrible you know bit encoding that is the the YouTube pilot. Because when you when you, you know watching it on my TV, oh my god, guys! I mean, it was like like forty percent picture quality. You know what I mean? Like it was it was terrible. Yeah, and the audio audio quality is terrible too. Well, they had to. Was... Did you notice at the beginning uh, because they used um, uh, the mis- uh, weird science? Yeah. So in yeah. in the YouTube video. Uh, it's not like this in the movie, but in the YouTube video, they 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 fuck with the sound, so yeah. the video didn't get taken, doesn't get taken down because that was licensed Oingo Boingo, uh, uh, you know, weird science song. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, Basil, that's why they messed with the sound. Basil they Paul- had to because Doris is uh, the the composer. Basil Paul- Polidorus. Is that oh yeah, name? Basil Polidorus yeah. was the composer. Yeah, he's the composer of that too. Yeah. Red yeah. Dawn, Conan. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Good old, good old misfits of science, but good stuff, uh, man. yeah, it was good stuff. Well, that's man. probably why we'll never see it on Blu-ray because the music licensing. Uh, yeah, those things you know. are all messed up. You know, it's funny. Uh, I wa- I was watching the pilot with Myra, and and as that sh- that song was playing, I I told Myra specifically, I go, "This is why it's not on DVD anywhere. It's got to be because they, they just they're not going to pay for those rights. They're going to be like, nah, like why? Why why would we pay for these rights to have this song just for this this show that only three people care about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wasn't it? Wasn't it? She blinded me with science or something like that. Too? Yeah, yeah, ex- that song. Yeah, it, yeah, and I feel like. I just that that is one thing that always gets me about shows from the 80s and the 90s that the music licensing. I, I get it. I get that artists should definitely be paid for their money, for, for their time and their and their their music. These companies like then put pay them so we can see this shit. You know, 21 Jump Street will never be 21 Jump Street because they don't have the music licensing. So you watch it and it's like instead of playing Orange Crush by REM during the chase scene, you hear this. Ding 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 I know like, oh I know God, Supernatural has that problem where like on the you can if you get the DVDs the first couple of seasons have like ACDC on it and stuff but then if you watch them on streaming they use like you know cover bands and things like that and I'm wow. like oh my God it's, all those shows that 70s show did it mm-hmm. um, Quantum I, you know, Leap WKRP had that is, Quantum Leap had that problem where they they didn't even have the pilot episode on. Hulu because um, the, the, because of the music and the era. So God, so lame. Yeah. Well, and in uh, My, Myra's watching. She's watching The Creek right now on on Netflix. You know Dawson's Creek. And yeah, they, I love that show. And they changed the uh, the intro song. It's not no longer. Whoa, I don't want to no wait. It's, it's a whole it's How a whole different song. Can that even be possible? That's I, like the I only know. thing people really. 
That's crazy. I know. And it's appalling. And when I hear it, and even, even Myra's like, this is horrible. I'm like, this is not right. And it ruined, like, the rest of the show, just fine, normal, but it kills the vibe. And I remember I was watching. That song made that show. And yeah. I remember I was watching Married with Children one time on Crackle, and they couldn't use the Love and Marriage intro. And I just, I was wow. turning this, I'm like, turn this off, turn this off oh. right now. It's horrible. Then- Oh my God! You I know, do remember that with Bosom Buddies when uh, Bosom Buddies first went into syndication oh, yeah. and they didn't have Billy the, Joel, uh, Billy yeah. Joel on it, and I was like, "What's what's happening? What's going on?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. oh man, then this shit really does die when it in its in its heyday. It does. I mean, and now you know, thankfully, shows create you know uh, uh, music in you know now, and so you don't have to worry about it anymore. But oh man, well, I know Miami Vice. Miami Vice uh, put out a box set. Uh, years ago for, of DVDs, but the Blu-rays do not have the license. Mm. So lame. But I have I have the DVDs, and let's be honest, TV quality, like yeah. the t- DVD for TV is just fine. Uh, so thank God I still have that, because can you imagine Crockett and Tubbs driving down the road <laughs> instead of hearing in the air tonight, hearing like beep, 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 bop, beep, bop, 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 beep, no. bop. No, because, because that scene was edited to go with that song every scene yeah. every that was the first tv show to really incorporate music yeah. in a in a yeah. way in that way yeah but anyways that's if, for another tv obscure if, if there's no in the air tonight on miami vice then i do not want to see it <laughs> hey everybody Corey here i just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Dean. Oh, hey, Dean. hey, Tim. Dean? Huh? Uh, this isn't a full episode, this is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays, and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then... Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Talking back. Hello! La, la, la. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La, la, la. Hello everybody, I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. And now, back to the show. So, Diallo, you're going to take us home and take us back to the 70s with Shazam. Taking you back to the 70s. Yeah, so Shazam. Like, what? what? Take me back. To, um, what can I say? Like, again, I'm, I'm older, a little older than both of you guys. Um, so I was like 
a little I was like a Bodie's age when the show was on uh, first came on um, it uh, first year was on was in 74 um, it wow. yeah <laughs> it starred um, uh, Michael Gray as uh, Billy Batson and uh, Les Tremaine who was in um, he was the narrator in Forbidden Planet if you've ever seen that classic uh, 50s movie yep. What wasn't um, Leslie Nielsen in, in, in Yes, in, yeah, 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 yeah. Leslie Nielsen was in it too. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and it's like the, the like quintessential sci-fi um, uh, yeah. movie. Um, it uh, um, and also starred uh, Jackson Botswick, um, who his only other claim to fame was he was one of the soldiers in the uh, background soldiers in Tron. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I saw that. Yeah. I saw that on his IMDb, and I was like, "Yay!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he trained in Jeet Kune Do. Yeah, yeah. I saw. I did see that. That was that uh, was that was that part was really interesting. Um, and then John Davy, who played Shazam in season, I think it was the like the into season two and three, he played the character, um, uh, Captain Marvel. Actually, I should say. So, uh, yeah, the show debuted in uh, 1974 is on CBS Saturday mornings. It was by Filmation, which um, at the time, you know, you were only known for, were mostly known for animated shows. Um, this was, I think, this was one of their first um, kids anime, uh, kids live action shows. Um, and uh, it uh, it was also one of the first ones that had, this is a little random tidbit, but uh, Zach, I know you like love uh, uh, He-Man and that little yeah. circular filmation thing that spins. Yeah, that was the first yeah. time they used it on uh, Shazam. Yeah. Oh, no shit. Yeah, yeah. Wait, before, uh, yeah, because I think Flash Gordon came out after. Yeah, it came out a few years after, I think. But man, filmation, filmation is the... The king, the king yeah. of family entertainment back then. That, yeah, the king. That makes sense. That now knowing this now, that the that the pantheon that he talks to are animated. I was like, okay, yes. that makes yeah. sense now. Yeah. So yeah, it was like that combination of animation. Um, they had they had done that in other shows, but like to this degree, it was like mostly live action. Um, so uh, sort of the origin of the show was um, DC had reclaim the rights to Shazam and they pushed that they made it into uh, a TV show um, the elements of the comic book the only thing that carries over is actually him saying Shazam um, and turning <laughs> into everything else is different um, like there was oh, no yeah there's no you, RV you mean, you mean there's no RV in the yeah, comic books no, with, yeah, the, but... with, the, with, the, with the laser bolt on the front the lightning right. bolt <laughs> I actually remember as a kid I remember as a kid, like seeing an RV and asking my my mom, "Why doesn't that one have the the lightning bolt on it?" I just thought that was like a feature of a RV. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't the smartest kid, apparently. Um, yeah, and that you're, uh, you're, the, you're a cool kid, though. <laughs> and that the uh, the uh, Les Tremaine's character, who was mis- uh, was mentor. His name was Mister Mentor. Like, you, how on the nose was that? Yeah. Um, but he was a, he was originally from the show too, so he wasn't from the comic book. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was a, it's a it's a very simple setup. They just they're in their RV driving around. Um, at a certain point, the uh, the elders who are the people that give Shazam his powers, uh, Solomon, Hercules, Atlas, Zeus, Achilles, Mercury. Um, 
they and, and usually, can you do you, and, and if you don't know that's how he gets the name Shazam yeah that's how you get the name uh, yep. the name Shazam um he like they usually they alert him and then they give him like the lesson for today at a certain point uh you know you should think about this they don't they would always tie it to like um like some literature uh quote like they would quote like wood or wordsworth or something and then um he would come back into reality and then they would stumble across the kid who was always having one of those kid things he was dealing with bullies or um someone was trying to pressure him into stealing or um let's go for a joyride which is the episode uh, the pilot episode that i that i watched um and at a certain point, um, things would get to a climax, and then Billy would turn into Captain Marvel um, with the cheap special effects <laughs> and save the day. Cheap but awesome. But I mean, awesome. I mean, like yeah. so cool. I well, liked. I liked that when he changed. The like transformation that. is like I. That was obviously that was like the draw for me as a kid was just just that transformation. But again, it was like that. Um, it was the cross between animated and live action and watching it change in the colors and everything. Um, yeah, he would save the day. It was very pedestrian, which like when I was watching it now, I was kind of in a way I was struck by how ordinary it was <laughs> knowing how like, you know, today when we have comic book movies, it's like over the top, big in your face. You have to have a super villain, a big bad this is like Captain Marvel is just like he's helping a kid like like lift a, a telephone pole <laughs> or yeah. something. Um, the show actually um, was on for three seasons and it actually had a spinoff. Um, if you've seen ISIS before. Um, yeah, I, I I came across ISIS because I was trying to watch Shazam and that's all yeah. that came up on YouTube until, yeah. you know, you you and Daily Motion came to the rescue. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I did get to see ISIS for a second, you know. <laughs> yeah, so they had they had a couple like crossover um, things. She had her own show for like two or three years and he would he would appear on her show every once in a while. Um, but yeah, that's about it. Um, I like that. I almost think that was probably one of my first like exposures to like superheroes like between that superman was on at the time and like batman but like shazam like it stuck in my brain and you know i'm like a huge huge shazam fan now it was always been my favorite superhero him the flash and green lantern um and i mean uh, after hearing you talk so much about this show um, you know, just finally, finally having a reason to, to go watch it. Uh, once I got over the fact that I was utterly shocked that it was a 30 minute show, I thought it, you know, it, you probably told me, but like, you know, nowadays the flash, all these shows, uh, superhero shows have to be an hour. I can't even conceive of even misfits of science was an hour. You know, this was yeah. 30 minutes. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. But, I mean, it was Saturday morning. It was, I mean, it definitely was for kids. It, like there were, there were no, and it was for kids and it, it I, I don't want to say that it's talked down to them, but it like it it didn't have that high level of like drama and stuff. It definitely was like educational. Yeah, but it was also in that era before um, cartoons were really commercialized. So it wasn't necessarily selling things to kids at that time. So it wasn't about buying toys and that stuff. It felt like they were selling like like. It felt like the end of a G.I. Joe episode, right? And, and like, yeah. here's what you have to learn. Except this is a full 22 minutes 
of what you have to learn. And I think that actually works better. Like it, it felt like it was incorporated in the lesson is incorporated into the show as opposed to being an afterthought. And I actually kind of liked that. I thought that was kind of uh, a cool idea because knowing, you know, we're, we're all 40 plus years old and we're watching this show knowing that it's for kids. So I'm like, okay, I, I like that they incorporate the lesson throughout the entire episode, really just kind of like hammering it home. And, you know, I, I kind of watched a little bit of it with my wife, uh, the episode that, you know, I kind of was watching my phone and showing her pieces of it. But when he turned into Shazam, first off, I love the transformation, you know, him flying didn't look terrible considering that Superman, the movie hadn't even come out yet. (laughs) You know, I was like, you know, I was like, okay, like, yeah, it's silly. But at the same time, think of the context. It doesn't look terrible. And there was this one interesting shot where he was flying through the, I guess, through the neighborhood, and you yeah. could tell that the actor was on the crane, and right. they kind of sped it up, and it looked really weird, but at the same time, like, otherworldly, and that really kind of worked for him. I kind of mm-hmm. wish they didn't use the blue screen flying as much and use that, like, that technique, whatever they did. I don't know if they'd do it again, but I thought that that worked. Um, I liked the setup. Um, it seemed it seems like such an awesome setup, just walk, you know, roaming around California in an RV, <laughs> you know, like, fight, you know, fighting crime or doing whatever you're doing. It's such a great setup. I loved it. And just, it there was something just so comforting about syndicated shows like this where you're like okay it's the 17 minute mark he's going to turn into shazam right now and it's like there's something just very comforting about having the same setup every single episode which i assume is sort of what it is and everything but all in all i had a blast with that one episode that you sent me um i would definitely definitely watch more uh i was also taken aback by the fact that billy batson is clearly the exact same age as the guy who plays shazam but uh that's neither here nor there (laughs) Um, or captain marvel i should say it was funny as i was watching it i was like yeah it's a it is a little sketch him driving around in a (laughs) rv with this old man yeah so they were probably so. like well we can't cast like a 14 year old so we're going to make him like 32 so yeah you know yeah. but uh <laughs> zach i kind of stepped on your toes there for a second what were you gonna say buddy no no well first of all i was gonna say i think like that the cartoon ben 10 uh kind of ripped off the idea of mm. driving around mm. in an rv with the uh with the older gentleman the mentor if you will right um but but going back to what you're saying about the whole episode the whole show being based around the moral message that was filmation style. Like they mm-hmm. did that with everything from He-Man and She-Ra to, um, you know, the Cosby show back when Co- we didn't know about Cosby, uh, you know, the Cosby kids, uh, fat Albert, sorry, really. Um, you know, the moral message was something that they hammered home. I wish we had more of that nowadays. Like, yeah. I love that, that they, even if it was like, well, you know, you kids should be doing this kind of thing. We're, and I totally agree with you, Diallo. Like it is like a little bit of a talking down and obviously you could modify it for today's audience. Cause I don't think kids need to be talked down that much yeah. uh, in, in that sense. But it's, I think it's so vitally important, especially for it's just having a conscience. Like you're, you're, you're having a show on television. Kids are going to watch it. This is the, yeah sell a toy like gi joe did gi joe threw those tags on the end and don't get me wrong i love gi joe but you know but they threw those tags on the end to justify that the entire episode was a 22 minute 
commercial for their toys, which again, I have no problem with whatsoever, yeah. but I love the filmation that Lou Scheimer, who's a, he's a, he's a freaking God for uh, family television. You know, they, that his production company, um, you know, his live action stuff like Shazam is so great. And the episode specific that we watch is perfect because it dealt with, you know, um, not doing, not going along, not to- going along with what everyone else is telling you to do, like peer pressure, you right. know, and in this time and age, like uh, we, so Bodie, we had just watched Hamilton with him over this weekend, like over the course of three days and oh, nice. cause it's so freaking long mm. and he loved it. He loved Hamilton. And for a six-year-old to watch Hamilton and get it, I was like blown away. For yeah. for, uh, for Corey to watch Hamilton, uh, <laughs> I, and by the way, I loved it too. I will say, yeah, I will say, like if if for our listeners who haven't seen it and are not a mu- music into musicals, let all that go yeah. and just watch it because I, yeah, I wasn't and necessarily back in the day, but I've grown to appreciate him. For a six-year-old to sit through that, and and obviously certain themes he didn't get which is good. Um, but he got the underlying message of being true to yourself. And, and so this episode of Shazam was perfect too. Cause he liked it. He gave it a four out of five. Mm. Cause uh, he's like, I still like the eighties more. I'm like, yeah, you're an eighties. <laughs> That's my boy. Know? That's my boy though. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, and, and, you know, and, and like you're saying Corey about it being kind of, you know, the, the, the special effects, uh, not, not having a problem with the special effects. I didn't either. You know, I look at like Greatest American Hero was doing the, almost the exact same thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, what is it? Not 10 years yeah, later, 10 but years later pretty almost. close. Yeah. yeah, 10 years later. Almost. And then, you know, Diallo, like you were saying about it being the, the plots being, um, you know, way different than what like superhero shows are like now. It reminds me of a kid's version of the Hulk in a way. Yeah. You know, where it's like mm-hmm. you're dealing with like normal issues, mm-hmm. the Incredible Hulk, like day to day issues. Right. Yeah. And and uh, with this backdrop of the supernatural character. And that, that, that's cool. At the time, it's so funny because at the time I'm like, I want to see them battling superheroes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I want to see them battling back like otherworldly villains and that's the incredible hulk used to turn me off in that way as a kid now i look back on it and like this is rad i love this i can keep watching more of it same that's how i feel about the shazam nowadays you know yeah it's funny you got like the the the, the hair on uh billy was just ri- was ridiculous <laughs> he was on so he was on um mike where he was on uh the brady bunch on this mm, one episode okay. Um, I think it was the one where Marsha's nose gets. Um, oh, yeah. The, oh, the famous one. I think one. that's yeah. the one. I just remember there was something. He was like at an ice cream shop and he like ended up coming with some other girl or, or something. And Marsha had to hide her nose. But anyways, he's ha- he's always had that hair is basically what I was saying. Even on <laughs> even on the Brady Bunch, he had that same big bushy thing of hair. So It's glorious. Yeah. It, it, he looks like a giant Q-tip. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. Yeah. Because uh, he's, he's also so skinny too, so it's it's yeah, yeah it's yeah. wild. But it's, but it's like it's so timely, you know. It's perfect for the time, and and again, this and Misfits um, uh, made me so miss like the olden days of uh, Los Angeles and San Fernando. Oh yeah, Valley. watching mm-hmm. all they the shoot all this stuff. Yeah, and, you know. You go hiking, you go hiking around the Hollywood Hills and you're like, oh, that's where they filmed. Uh, it's probably where they filmed Shazam. You know, yeah. it was funny or, you say that because there was a scene where they were driving past some like woods type area. And I, I, I remember thinking to myself, that's probably homes now. 
you know? Yeah. Like, oh, totally. You know? Totally. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they um, – I don't know if you – I don't know if you guys remember. It was a few years ago I did um, – I did a con um, at, for Angela in the Dark, and when mm-hmm. I was leaving, I was in the parking garage, and there was this guy talking to this woman, and I turned and looked, and it was Michael Gray, yeah. the guy, oh. Billy Batson, and I was like, you know, I just, my whole world just like stopped, right? I was like, oh my God, I just, got, I just need to tell you, <laughs> you're the greatest. <laughs> yeah, it's like I lose, it. Like, when, like if it was like Brad Pitt or something, people see them, they that's how they like, fall all over themselves when yeah. i see those kind of yeah, people yeah. i'm like hey what's up brad but then when yeah, i yeah. see michael gray then i i lose my shit so um yeah well, <laughs> did you have a moment did you get to talk to him yeah i did i just like it was just like really quick i just want to say you know like again for like this show for me like i i get that it's not like the greatest but again i was like Bodie's age when i was watching it so it was like yeah like, four for four five and six like by heyday and it just like it was everything to me and like it like to this day i still have like i have a right up on the wall next to me i have all these shazam characters and um um it's just when, and when I was watching this this episode too, I really was taken back to how it actually reminded me of the earnestness of like a um, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. You know, how mm, Mr. Rogers' totally. Neighborhood was very like you know, people would maybe say it's cheesy, but like it just it was what it was, and it was trying to be as kind as it was, um, and yep. and and show you the value in being a good person. And so when I was watching the episode, I was like, yeah, there's there's that cheesiness to this show. But, yeah, especially at the age that I was when I was watching it, like, oh, my God, like I learned how to be a good person from watching this show. And I think that there's still a place for that. I feel like, you know, all these shows, we you know, <clears throat> we love what CW does with the Flash and everything. It's fine. It's great. But there's so much gray to it that I wish kids had more just good wholesome stuff like this that's trying to you know uh, tell a moral you know and and trying to make you a better person just make the kid a better person through this through this TV series and i i think there's absolutely a place for this show uh now and i think there's absolutely and i and by that i don't mean a reboot i mean like showing a kid this exact show now i think those messages are still applicable and still important to tell kids and like almost uh, even more important now than ever than than ever I because say, i feel yeah. like we've we've gotten so like lost in the whole gray of things and uh diallo and i have had many discussions about comic books and stuff and and you know i don't love superman as a character i think they've done some great stories here and there with them i think grant morrison usually does the best stuff uh, i'm sure diallo can probably uh cite some other things too but the point is I don't love Superman as a character, but I think he's absolutely essential to us as a human fabric. Like, we need somebody to show us what it's like to just be a good person all the time, you know? And Zach mentioned, you know, like, like kind of comparing this to Incredible Hulk, and I didn't love the Incredible Hulk when I was a kid because I was already reading comic books, and so, like, when I saw, like, his quote-unquote feat of strength would be to rip off a car door, I was yeah, very... Hokey. I was unimpressed by that, and also, I was very terrified by the, by the opening scene and the transformation, oh, yeah. so oh, I didn't yeah. watch. It scared Always. the shit out of me, yeah. but I'm yeah. watching this now, and we've all saw the same episode, and, and you know, he kind of grabs that that truck, and, you know, his, his feet of strength isn't much better than the Hulk's, but I'm watching it now, and I'm like, 
I, I love it because, one, he doesn't have to do anything bigger than what he's doing, right? Like, that would actually probably endanger the kids. So he's using, in this particular moment, he's using just as much strength as he needs to, and I thought that was perfect. But at the same time, I don't need him flying around with great CGI and, like, punching you know villains into the moon or something. I don't need that. I really don't. When I watched this show, when I watched Shazam, I realized it is just what I needed by itself. Like, the way it is, is pretty fucking perfect, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. I had that, um, uh, you know, you brought up Superman, and I actually was watching um, some clips of uh, uh, the history of the Superman series of movies, and... um, and I had just recently watched, like in the last few months, I watched Man of Steel also. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it, that whole idea of like in Man of Steel, he's flying around and it's CGI and, you know, and it's like, I mean, on, on a certain level, it looks really cool. But like, you know, it's fake. So you it, it doesn't have that same sense of. tactile like tactile like it it doesn't feel like it inhabits a three-dimensional space yeah but then i'm watching the first superman and it's like he's flying around on wires and stuff and it's just like oh yeah like i believe you can fly you know and i and i have more of that feeling watching shazam than i do watching man of steel right because they never even they don't ever do any trick photography now like they did in the episode of shazam that we saw where he was clearly on some kind of a crane and they sped it up you know but that was like really the actor there you know and now they'll they'll have the actor brandon routh fly through the city but it's all cgi even to the point where he's like floating there cgi until he like touches the ground and you're like it just all feels so fake yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, it, this, this show was reminding me of all the cool live action filmation shows, uh, back in the day that are hokey like, like this, and but, but I think have way more charm than, than those shows on CW. And I'm not bashing those shows. I know there's an audience for it, and it's all good, and it's not for me, and that's fine. But like, give me fucking. Jason of Starkman, any old day, any over old this, day. Over, yeah. you know, Jason of Starkman, if you've never seen it, uh, is, is the bomb. That's when Sid Haig of, um, house of thousand corpses. And, you know, obviously Rob zombie fame. Uh, he played a great villain in that, but like they, I pulled up another couple other shows, uh, space Academy yeah, and space Arc Academy. two. Yeah. Uh, both of those shows, they all came out after, after Shazam, like you'd said. Um, but they were under the filmation, uh, banner and so you know besides filmation doing epic cartoons um, by hand they were doing these amazing science fiction shows that that for the time were, were pretty damn good and i think are still you know look i love old school doctor who more than i love current doctor who so that's just my jam so i can watch these any old day i i you know and watching them with my six-year-old he loves all this shit because this is like the stuff kids make you know, they go, they, they're not going and making a, the Brandon Routh, uh, you know, flash speed machine or whatever to make it look like their character's running. They're going and building something out of cardboard and thinking it looks like a jet. And I mean, there's something very inspiring about that. I think we need more shit like this, more realistic, practical effects. Mm-hmm. So kids get inspired versus saying, and there's nothing wrong with it. But, you know, one kid says, well, I want to go make computer games for a living. That's awesome. Go do it. And another kid says, well, I want to make special effects sets for for movies like that that and he was inspired or she was inspired by 
the cardboard that she built in her house and watching shit like this on TV. I think it, it all has its own place. I'm not saying there's not one or the other, but I just feel like the more practical effects we have, the better. And it's just inspiring to be able to watch all three of these. As cheeseball as Misfits of Science special effects are, uh, it's inspiring special effects. And then as cheeseball as Manimal, it, you know, the minimal, minimal of Manimal. Minimal, uh, The minimal of minimalist <laughs> of Manimalist. But it's still so cool. Like, give me that face moving any day over a, a CG werewolf. Uh, absolutely, know? dude. And it... It is cool. Each each of these shows have some some interesting like effects and some interesting concepts going on. Uh, yeah, you know. So, D- yeah. Diallo, what were like, you gonna say, buddy? Oh, I just say like I, you know, I I think I've said it before. I think I said it on the last podcast, and I I say this all the time, and I'll say it again and again and again and again. I like when I see special effects and older stuff. Like some people tend to like want to make fun of it. And I, every time I am just like, you need to respect yeah. how these people made this happen without, they had to like, and, uh, most of the time they had to figure out how to do it. Like they were trailblazers, yeah, trailblazers yeah. In, yeah. in the, in the industry. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just, For and sure. they had to be innovative and they had like that, you get the, the trick camera angles and all that. It's just like, now it's just so easy. And I, and I think that's why in a certain way, film has lost some of its charm because they don't have to think of ways to get around doing certain things. So it's like, you want to do a shot, you do the shot. Right. But like, just imagine if there was CGI when Jaws um, had, was being made, like it, yeah, it would you, not have been the same. Movie, no. Cause you, you right? would have seen the, the shark, the entire movie, the way, the way Spielberg wanted to, to do it. And I feel like this Shazam is exactly like Jaws, whereas you have to be artistically creative to work within the confines of your medium. And and by confines, I mean budgetary constraints. And so you know that these guys and gals working on Shazam had to be thinking outside the box because they can't always, you know, be using that shot of, uh, you know, the blue screen shot or something. So they put them up on a crane and, and man, it just, it just it just works. And I think that, like, when you actually have a constraint to work within, I think a better art is produced sometimes. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's this Agreed. one episode where he has to like, these kids are like getting in a plane, like a Piper airplane and it's about to take off and it's about to like, whatever. So he like, he runs on the, on the runway after it. And that the way they do the effect is great. You know, they kind of speed it up. The plane's probably not going very fast, you know, but it's just like, but they, it was like a full body shot. So you actually, see get that sense of him using a super speed or in this That's episode awesome. actually there they were the kids uh, were in the back seat of the car and i remember going like this car is not moving yeah, it's not moving <laughs> at all yeah <laughs> but just the way they were like shaking it and rocking it and they were like covered up the windows behind so you couldn't see that it wasn't moving it just all of that stuff to me just gave that like, had it gave it a little a different feel than like what we normally get so yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think I honestly 
it's awesome. I think all three of the shows that we all brought to the table uh, this week, um, I love them all I, for different reasons. I think uh, they had their their merits. I, I think they all have their pluses. They all have their yeah, minuses. There's no like one of them is the best one. One's a stinker. I think they're all pretty freaking cool in their in their own right. And uh, I think all of them are worth revisiting if you think you might have liked them or if you think you kind of remember them. I think they all really d- deserve to be rewatched and and revisited and and checked out there wasn't really any stinkers in the bunch here i love them love that i mean you know for years i'd like if anybody like brought up manimal i would just go manimal <laughs> i love i do love i mean it's fun to say by the way manimal yeah, manimal. yeah. <laughs> it was a, yeah, it was a great fun show and and again yeah. that that time like you know the like uh from the 70s to to like the, the 80s they were again they were just they were trying to do this stuff that just you like we take it for granted now, but like back then it was really hard to do any of those things. So like we were lucky to get what we had. I mean, I, I know, like I know people are going to say, yeah, it's still expensive to do CGI. I, I get it. It's still expensive to create CW's The Flash. I, I do understand that. And I do mm-hmm. like that show, but I mean, honestly, like we wouldn't have, that show if we didn't have all three of these guaranteed the the you know the industry just the industry itself grew from all three of these these individual shows i i believe yeah totally totally and and i just i just love me some uh, simon mccorkendale <laughs> r.i.p all right a <laughs> lot of r.i.p's tonight guys yeah, yeah I, right. I mean but we were we were going yeah. back though you know yeah we're it's, going it's gonna happen it's 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 the nature of the beast so uh yeah man this was fun i i love tv obscura i love this this show that we do so and uh by the you way know. i'm gonna i'm gonna call it now um guys i want to bring werewolf to the table one of these days i mm, loved mm, that show as a kid mm, 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 mm. oh man <laughs> i feel yeah, like all, you, i yeah, feel like all three you, of us want to bring werewolf to the table maybe no, you, maybe we'll do one episode of tv obscure where we just talk about werewolf and we all talk about an individual <laughs> episode or something <laughs> yeah rumor rumor is it's getting uh it's uh, the, 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 there's a german release of the entire series but rumor is it's getting a a blu-ray Oh, box set release oh, wow. and a possible uh reboot well it was one season correct yeah yes. i think it, it was one that was back in that, but that it, early uh, early days of fox and they yeah, yeah linear i linear you know uh which is so badass and it was it, it was 30 minutes yes yeah wow i'm, I'm, I'm almost certain it was 30 minutes okay I think so. because okay. fox i think most of fox's stuff was 30 minutes outside of 21 jump street uh, back in the day, because that was a part of the first se- season of like Fox Television. Yeah, it was yeah. like Werewolf. It was like Herman's Head and shit like that. I Herman's Head so. was a little was, bit yeah. later, but yeah. okay, yeah, okay. Werewolf was like eighty uh, eighty seven, I think. I think that's when uh, Fox came out. Eighty six or eighty seven. Eighty seven. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I was telling my wife Anyways. that that I was like, you know how old I am? I'm old enough to remember when Fox wasn't a channel. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy, right? Yeah, there's always like three networks, and then yeah, now yeah, we're, like, we're old enough to to know what that 
that the Simpsons used to just be a skit. A skit, on, yeah. On, on the Uma, Ullman, on the which is the first, Tracy Ullman, the yep. first season. Yeah, that was yep. the first season of that. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, when you wow. brought when you guys brought up uh, or what, and that one at that thread or something, and somebody mentioned Werewolf, I was like, oh my god, I like I that show was everything, and I like can't wait to watch it again. I can't wait to oh, watch that again. Okay, so so I think let's uh, let's just say we're gonna do something special for Werewolf on TV Obscura, maybe closer to October. We'll figure it out. But this is an ongoing show, and uh, you are gonna hear Diallo many more times <laughs> in the future. But until then, until we do more TV Obscura, Diallo, my man, where? Yes. What do you have going on out there in the podcast world? Because I know you have something really cool you're working on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I just started um, my podcast slash audio book, um, and it is a, a novel. Uh, it's the novel that I've been writing for the last uh, almost decade, <laughs> and I'm finally starting to put it out there. Um, so it's called the, the book is called The First Noel, um, and the podcast is called The First Noel Chronicles. Um, so you can find I have uh, the prologue and chapter one and two. Um, I'm aiming for a biweekly release. Um, and it is a fantasy Christmas story, um, but in the vein of Lord of the Rings, not like fairy tales. So um, I have a few twists in there that I haven't quite gotten to yet, but um, hopefully it becomes the seasonal uh, story that people will uh, uh revisit every year um awesome yeah That's so, so cool, yeah and i i kind of i kind of got into it a little bit because i popped into your podcast and um and then um zach's wife mentioned a few things to me and then it got my brain going and i'm like what i should just start doing this so it's it's so yeah. cool dude i'm i'm yeah. so I'm so happy that, that that you're doing that that project and beyond happy to, to help boost the signal however possible. Um, we will have uh, in, in the episode notes here um, in every episode that we have Diallo on, I'll have we'll have the links in there to all the podcatchers and everything. Um, please, please, please go check it out. Uh, go yeah. go leave it a five star review on Apple Podcasts and all that kind of stuff. I love the concept, dude. I love the idea and I love that you're doing it, dude. I love yeah, it. Thank Thank you. Yeah, and like I said, I it's like I that was a top secret. Like I didn't, I, I know. Hardly, yeah, I didn't even tell you. Like I barely told anybody I was doing it. But a lot of it was just because I was, I was trying to figure out. I had the idea a long time ago, but I didn't know how to tell it, and so I just kind of kept it in my head and worked at it and then finally it just started to come together so well well I've, it's great i i have so much more respect for people that do and don't talk about it so when you dropped it i was like bro i was like props <laughs> bro props like that is yeah. mega props and in, in, in my opinion you know to just just do what you're gonna do don't don't talk about it just do it man and and you did it bro i'm yeah, i'm so happy you. dude i'm so happy it's so freaking cool please guys go check that out First Noel Chronicles. I will have all the links in in the show notes. Um, and uh, Zach, Zach the Snack, where can we find you, buddy boy? Besides podcasting after dark, you can find me at Zach Schaefer VO. Uh, it gives you a little insight into who I am as a artiste. And then uh, over at Two Dollar Late Fee, that's my uh, my my sister from another Mister podcast <laughs> where '80s retro. Uh, we 
by the time this airs, yeah, we have an interview up with uh, Gabe Jarrett, Gabriel Jarrett, who's mostly known as Mitch Taylor from Real Genius. Mm, you, well, one um, of your favorite movies. One of my, it was my number two favorite movie of all time. So after, after podcast, which one? Of all after the Warriors. <laughs> so it's, it's, there are no coincidences in life, but, uh, you know, I've was able to cover both films on both podcasts in a very loving way and got to interview an actor from both of those. We interviewed Gabe Jarrett. Uh, we interviewed, um, Thomas Waits, Thomas G. Waits from, um, the Warriors, the Fox and that interview will be on podcasting after dark at mm. the end of the month. Yep. Um, but but yeah, we interviewed Gabe Jarrett on two dollar late fee, and the guy as you know he's been working ever since. Uh, he's got a really cool story. He's a sign language interpreter. Oh, uh, cool. He he speaks perfect wow. sign language, and he's got a cool, interesting story as to how that came about. That's one of the many things. He talks about Karate Kid 3, getting his nose broken by uh, <laughs> Ralph Macchio, and a uh, very funny moment, and talks about 21 Jump Street. So we talk about a lot of things. That um, I, He talked about how Johnny Depp was on the set of that show. And, <laughs> and so, yeah, fun stories, really great guy. One of those names were like, yeah, I want to know what he's been up to, you know, and um, and yeah, it's, it's fun. That's our latest episode. Check it out. $2 late fee. Nice. Check it out. Check it out. Just check it out. But Corey, uh, yeah, you know where Diallo and I can be found, but where can you be found outside of the uh, podcasting after dark world? Oh, you know, talking about Seinfeld every single week with our pal Adam. Oh, baby. We're about to, uh, mm. I guess we're about to get into season six. So, yeah, we are cranking through. We are about at episode like 85 or something like that, something insane. But uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun going through a show that I had seen on the first go around, like I'd seen in order, but mostly had seen in syndication. So, like, I like when you when you watch a show mostly in syndication, your brain gets jumbled as to where things like land and, you know, what season this was in and everything. So it's actually been a lot of fun. Like seeing jokes evolve, seeing characters evolve from the beginning and, and where things go. And sometimes you even like get little hints of a joke that's going to be like later, like even seasons later. And you're like, wow, they really like were they were trying it out here first and now it's going to be better later. So it's just it's fun to see it, like to go through a series that that you love. I mean, I highly recommend a anyone if you love a show, um, you know, from your nostalgic youth. And I'm not just talking about Seinfeld. If it's, you know, whatever she remember, go back and try at some point to watch it in order. And it's it feels so different than watching it in syndication, you know, so it, yeah, I bet. it's it's a lot of fun. We have a we have a blast over there, and we do the same thing, you know, that we do here on podcasting after dark, where we break down each episode, uh, scene by scene, everything, and then we just kind of go off on tangents and talking about it. So, but podcasting after dark, we got some big big stuff happening this year, and uh, TV Obscura is only one of them. So we hope everyone sticks around. We hope everyone uh, subscribes, leaves us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Hopes everyone signs up for our Patreon because we got huge huge shit going on down over there. And uh, man, we got a we we put out a lot of Patreon content. So check that out. A bunch of interviews. I mean, damn, dude. 
At this point, we have over a year's worth of interviews uh, over on our Patreon page. People like Tom Matthews, Stephen Jeffries, uh, Tony Timpone, Diane Franklin, Zach Ward, Brian Usna, Jeanette Goldstein, Steve Kostansky, John Philbin, uh, Tom Holland, Jonathan Stark, composer Richard Band, and freaking, just like Zach said, Thomas G. Waits. Uh, we have an interview coming up soon uh, with somebody else, and we already have it in the can, so we can just say it, but uh, we interviewed Scott Valentine from Family Ties and Scotty V Scotty V was hey, one of the Nick. nicest human beings we've ever met in our entire lives and like Mark Ralston was freaking awesome and and Scotty V put Mark Ralston to to shame <laughs> as far as nicety goes he Scott Valentine was a freaking saint so it's it's awesome and he was obviously you guys know him as Nick uh from uh um from Family Ties and he was also in My Demon Lover which I watched the night before the interview and we didn't even mention once during the interview so well he <laughs> talks about some of the things he liked and he did and some of the things that he didn't. He talks about the some of the things he didn't like he kind of had to do because he was in a financial situation. So we can maybe infer that my Whoa. demon lover was one of those sort of things. So, But uh, check the interview out. It's good stuff. And check out, please check out the first Noel Chronicles. And uh, please check Angela out. Angela in the uh, Dark also. Yes, Angela in the Dark as well. And it, it, uh, and and also uh, check out uh, two dollar lay fee and all that kind of stuff. So we got great shit, guys. Our friends have great shit going on. Please, please, please check them all out. And I'll have all the links in the show notes. So until next time, we'll catch you on the dark side. Be sure to subscribe to Podcasting After Dark and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Support Podcasting After Dark on Patreon. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcasting After Dark. And visit us next time for another installment of Podcasting After Dark with Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it.